Hey booze, welcome to Crime and Spirits, your one-stop shop for handcrafted cocktails, spooky stories, and all things true crime. I am your resident bartender, Suze, and I'll be teaching you all a new drink recipe at the beginning of each of our episodes. And I'm Bree, drinker of the drinks, and I write the stories we tell. So, what should you expect while listening to us? Well, good question. There's going to be some swearing. Oh, a lot of swearing. Probably some rambling. Definitely rambling. And most likely a lot of off-topic pop culture references. We specialize in Bob's Burgers and maybe Always Sunny. Definitely. But what do you want from us? We're going to be drinking. And hopefully you will be too. So come hang out with us each week. And if you want to spend more time with us, check out the description for the link to all of our socials. Let's buckle up buttercups and sip tight. Let's get into it. Hello, my darlings. Hi. I would like to welcome you to another episode of Crime and Spirits. We are your hosts. I am Bree. And I'm Suze. Thanks so much for taking the time to hang out with us for a little while today. We are so glad that you're here. We've got a tough one this week, you guys. Mm-hmm. We are going to be discussing the Richardson family murders. So for those of you who are not familiar, Mark and Deborah Richardson, along with their eight-year-old son, was found dead in April of 2006. Their 12-year-old daughter, Jasmine, was nowhere to be found at the scene, and police were concerned that she had been kidnapped. Well, after the investigation got started, it became clear to law enforcement that Jasmine was involved in committing the crime. Mm -hmm. A 12-year-old. 12. (laughs) 12. I don't know what I was doing at 12. It was certainly not plotting murder. No. That's for sure. Definitely not. Not even close. So this case is icky for a lot of reasons. So we're going to give a quick little warning before we get started. There's the obvious one of, you know, gruesome murder ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's also going to be talk of suicide, abuse, and child molestation. If that's not something you want to listen to, we totally get it. Absolutely. We will just catch you next time. It is all good. If you want to continue on with us, Susan and I just want to take a second to reiterate that by doing this podcast, we mean no disrespect to the victims or to the families of those involved. This is meant to be a little bit more like educational, if you will. Yes. We just love to learn new things and the psychopathy and legal side of all of this stuff fascinates us. We also love making up and trying new and delicious drinks. It's true. And we love combining the two. Yes. (laughs) And honestly, we just want to bring you guys on that journey with us if you want to come and hang out. We'd love to have you. Yeah. (laughs) The more the merrier. Now that we've got all of that out of the way, I hope you have a a strong drink plan. I sure do. We're actually going the martini route Mm. today. This is one I actually made up for my day job for last (laughs) Halloween. I just renamed it, put better ingredients in it, and Mark, I'm going to say Mark renamed it is what I should say. That's fair. We're going to call it the Blood Moon Martini, because not only is there the usual amount of murder and mayhem in this case, but there's also a little bit of werewolf and vampire Mm -hmm. action, which, because what? (laughs) Um, But I figured we're going to need a martini just to get through things, so... We are starting with a chilled martini glass. I made red sugar because now I'm obsessed with the fact that sugar is easy (laughs) to dye, which I guess I never realized before. Yeah. We always at work pre-purchased it, pre-colored, because we had Mm. green and red. Yeah. 
So, but who knew you could just, all you do is put some food dye in it, in your sugar, put it in a Ziploc bag, mush it around till it's mixed up, put it on a cookie sheet, bake it at really low temp hmm. for like 10 minutes. I, my oven doesn't go any lower than 170. Oh. So I put parchment paper on my cookie sheet, spread the colored sugar on it, left the door open and just watched it for like 10 minutes. <laughs> and then I let it cool down in the oven and okay. it seemed to work just fine for me. I mean, it looks really pretty. Last week's so was good. pretty. Um, so you rim the glass with the red sugar because you know blood moon. We're going red. Mm -hmm. um, my shaker from last week turned out to be a super huge dud. So She's very upset, my I'm guys. coming for you, Dublin Crystal, because it was garbage. There's a big fat sticker, once we noticed. It does say made in China on, on the, the inside. inside. You sneaky bastards. We upset. I couldn't get the lid to hook up just right. So we are using my, my very, very old absolute raspberry shaker, mm -hmm. which I don't even think they make that liquor anymore. Fill that with ice. We started with raspberry pinnacle vodka. Any kind of raspberry vodka would work. You can use unflavored if you'd like. If mm. you want to use citrus, by all means, that would also Ooh, be good in citrus. It. Yeah. But I was all in on raspberries. So we used the <laughs> raspberry pinnacle. It was one and a half ounces into your shaker tin with ice. Next up is one of our favorite liqueurs. Mm -hmm. You know, we've used Chambord a, a couple, couple of times, of times <laughs> because we love it. It is a black raspberry liqueur. That's so good. And it's got that really pretty, like, deep purpley red color mm -hmm. that just really looks good in a martini, I in like my opinion. I like the bottle also. That too. It's like a little cannonball. Yes. <laughs> I, I love it. it. I don't really know. <laughs> um, so we did a half an ounce of that. Um, and next up, you want to add one and a half ounces of cranberry juice into your shaker tin. I just use cranberry juice cocktail because it is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to use pomegranate juice, I think that might also be good, but it would be Ooh. a little more tart, like a little more tart. <laughs> so we went cranberry juice, add that in, shake up all that, strain it into your glass. And you might notice your martini glass is not all the way full. That is because, just to give it a little bit of a bite, that's pun fully intended there. <laughs> da -da um, we added a splash of Prosecco, and we just use Cupcake Prosecco. I bought the tiny baby bottles because I really like my stuff to be, stay bubbly. Yeah. So I didn't want to get a huge bottle of it and have it go flat, because there's nothing ickier than flat Prosecco. Well, and we're not really Prosecco Drink drinkers in the sense that, like, we're not like, mm, let me get a glass of Prosecco. It, I mean, it's it's literally just a bubbly white wine. Yeah. Uh, we actually use it at my day job in our mimosas in place of That's champagne. That's right. I remember that. So it's, it, it's, good. it's fine mixed into things. I yeah. would never be like, mm, let right. me get some just <laughs> exactly. by itself. Um, and then that is it. I did throw in some fresh raspberries as a garnish because it just looked so pretty. It does look very pretty. Give it and a try. Aesthetically let me know. Drink. Aesthetically pleasing. I love it. That's my goal. Ooh. So good, mm -hmm. right? And like I said, I made this up for my day job last year, and it mm -hmm. was really, really popular. So I'm happy to reuse it and make it The sugar nice. really helps sweeten it up mm -hmm. and takes away any, like, bitiness of, like, alcohol. Yep. That's really good. And it's deadly. And also, I did mention to Brie, you could make this as a drink drink. 
if you'd like, like as a cocktail. You just fill whatever glass you want with ice. Mm. Instead of a martini glass, you can pour it over ice. Maybe just add a little bit more cranberry juice. But that's <laughs> actually what I'm sipping on is the cocktail, and it's just as good. Mm. I'm sure. Or you can't go wrong with more cranberry juice. I know. I know. <laughs> and I, I really, there's so did you guys know there's like 800 varieties of cranberry juice? Because <laughs> I really went to is. Walmart just to get cranberry juice, and I was like overwhelmed. They make cranberry juice with like energy in it, like <laughs> extra vitamins and stuff. I was like, what? <laughs> there's tropical cranberry juice. There was even cranberry pomegranate juice, which I thought about, but Ooh. I was like, I'll just try it the way I want it and just do cranberry. I was we'll no, we'll keep a pin in that. I got too deep in my brain. I was <laughs> like, the more the merrier. Sometimes less is more, but whatever floats your boat. I have to edit myself constantly. Yep. <laughs> if you want to get the cran cranberry pomegranate and make this, please let me know how it is because yeah. I will rush right out and get some. Because it sounds like it would be <laughs> delicious. I'm not seeing a downside here. No, those are very delicious fruits. All right, so cocktail in hand. Let's get into this K. Razzie case here. Mm. All right, so the Richardson family lived in Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada. And shout out to our Canadian listeners because hey, there's a handful of you out there. There are some of them. Yeah. That's right. mm-hmm. uh, I actually, we have a couple of different countries that we have some listeners in. And so we actually, I want to do a case from each country. Oh, that's kind of a hey girl, hey kind of thing. Right. So that's something we're going to put on the docket for probably November. Because mm. we're all planned out. Or perhaps next year. We'll see how ambitious we're feeling. <laughs> At some point. Either way. Soon. Mark and Deborah met while they were both enrolled in a substance abuse recovery program during their early adulthood. Rumor has it they had really rough addictions. They were both really struggling. Met in this recovery program and... Decided to try to, like, support each other through everything, which... Isn't that, like, rule number two yeah. of recovery <laughs> is to not get involved exactly. with somebody during recovery? Or especially mm-hmm. that you're in recovery with? Yeah. From what I understand and know about it, it's very frowned upon. Mm. And also, like, statistically, it's just not... Good, a good idea. It's not in favor of your sobriety. Right. Oh, no, absolutely. They tend to enable each other more often. But in this case, they end up getting married a year after they met in 1991, and they were very dedicated to living a sober life. Good for them. Super supportive, wanting to be able to provide a stable home for the children that they hope to have one day. And against all, all odds, these two fucking crushed it, and they created a really good life for themselves. Yeah. Which is always... A nice, heartwarming story to addiction, because you don't hear that very often. It's true. So was, it's, I feel as though you do hear a lot of the failures instead of the successes. So. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, so, enter on the scene, Jasmine. She was born in October of 1993, and four years later, her brother Tyler joined the clan. Uh, they were, from everything we've read, the picture-perfect nuclear family. Yeah. They lived in the suburbs, they were middle class, and they were all very close, like very tight. They did a lot of stuff together. Like literally seemed like the perfect family. Now, I know that doesn't exist. From outside looking in, yes, I'm sure it did look perfect, but you never know what's going on as we're going to see. Especially (laughs) as things evolve. Right. Uh, From everything, all intents and purposes, Jasmine was growing up as a typical preteen. By age 12, she was a straight-A student, and she was pretty involved in a lot of different um, extracurricular activities. Like most kids, however, she was a mall rat, 
and hung out there with her friends quite often. I mean, I did that. Oh, same. My mom same, would be like, see you later, bye, and we'd just walk circuits around the mall. Yeah, I'd go to the same store, like, five times. Claire's was one of them. Mm-hmm. I would look at the same pack of earrings for 45 minutes and then finally purchase it right before I left the mall. There was <laughs> one time, just as a side mall story, <laughs> I got my cartilage pierced. No! <laughs> but at, at the piercing pagoda with the... No. Gun in my cartilage. Public service announcement. Don't, don't do it. Do that. <laughs> but I also was not old enough. But mm. my friend was eighteen. So back then, you could just use your birth certificate. Yeah, they were like, okay, great. Here you go. But I have two, and they're fine. I have no lumps or bumps or anything weird. But I'm just saying, don't do it, children. If you're listening. Don't let sh- don't let your kids listen for one, but for two, like <laughs> we are tell not kidding for Tell them not to do the mall piercing. If you're local, there's a really great piercing place called Secret Piercing. It's Check true. <laughs> anyway. Do not do it at the piercing. Together. And also, I'd like to note that Mall Rat is one of my favorite movies. I do love that movie. <laughs> so I like great. all those movies from that oh my era. James, I love them all day, every day. <laughs> um. So this case happened around. The early 2000s. So in the summer of 2005, Jasmine's group of friends started hanging out with another group of young people. The second group was really into goth culture, which really seemed to unfortunately fascinate Jasmine. So she began to change. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, it wasn't really anything too crazy. She started wearing all black and a lot heavier makeup. Her clothing choices became a lot bolder, a little more revealing, like lace and short and so on and so forth. Not great for a (laughs) 12-year-old or anyone in my opinion, but especially a 12-year-old. But she was like literally just starting puberty, so I'm sure her parents were thinking perhaps this is just a phase. Right. Like we just need to get through this. Like and also, it could be worse. Like I find golf goth culture like extremely fascinating. I know several people who are very into it. I was very attracted to several people who were into it. I get it. Like Mark if you looked at pictures of Mark from high school, you wouldn't even believe it. Well, I so Brie has never seen the movie The Craft, no, so we're either. gonna get there. But that's a lot of goth, yes, gothy exactly. type of stuff. I find and I myself do love that movie, and I find myself now gravitating towards it more. So I get it. But unfortunately for Jasmine, things get much worse. Um, thanks to her drastic change in appearance, Jasmine passed for a much older teen. So think like 15 to 17 years old. She was a very pretty girl, I should oh, yeah. know, because they, I've seen pictures from like her yearbook or something, you mm-hmm. know, where the ones where you're posed kind yeah. of, and I was like, that's a, she looks beautiful. I'm mm-hmm. completely normal. <laughs> and then I saw later photos and I was like, the, what it just happened? I think with jasmine specifically her look went to such an extreme and some of goth culture is extreme and that's part of what really fascinates me about it especially like we've gotten really into like the boulet brothers dragula and everything i think what causes pause with me here is that she was just so young to be experimenting in the way that she was well and i don't you don't know who you are when you're 12 i barely know who i am and i'm way older than that so (laughs) it's like i don't think you can fully form like a personality at 12 yeah and you very much are adopting the personality of those around you and that's what we're gonna start seeing with Mm. jasmine and like the thing with her new friend group is part of that is a bunch of weird men in their early 20s who like to hang out with young girls Ew, y'all. And 
They likely believed that these girls were older than they actually were. Not that it excuses it by any means. If they actually cared, they'd ask and get the truth and be like, have well, fun, children, and go away. The girls lied to them. Mm. Jasmine told people that she met that she was only fi- like 15, 16 on a lot of her, like her like social media sites. Yeah. They were few back then, but a lot of them had 15, 16, 17. So even if they might have asked, we don't know. I'm not defending the pedophiles. I'm just saying that like I know. If 15. I were a normal person, I'd be like, this seems too good to be true. 15 okay, <laughs> is still much too yes. young for 24-year-olds to be hanging Absolutely. out with. So, I mean, all of it's really irrelevant, honestly. Yeah, it's icky. But this is where Jeremy Stinky comes into play. And if you're familiar with this case, you know who he is. But a little background on him. Mm-hmm. He was born in January of 1983 to an alcoholic mother named Jacqueline May. Jeremy's upbringing was really rough. His biological father was around for a while, and he was not only an alcoholic himself, but also an abuser. He eventually finds his way out of the picture. We're not really sure what happened there, Um, but Jeremy's mother would go on to remarry twice more. Jeremy's abuse would continue by the hands of his two eventual stepfathers. And from what I read, it was any partner she had in between. Mm -hmm was also alcoholic or abuse. Yeah. It was One just or like the const- other or both. It yeah. was just constant, constant basically. Constant cycle that this guy, like this kid was in. So, you know, naturally this led him to have a hard time in school. And in addition to like the natural ramifications of being in an abusive home, like not sleeping and having panic attacks and all that kind of stuff, he was bullied about all of it also. Jeremy really struggled with depression and hyperactivity, and he was formally diagnosed at 13. He started using drugs by the time he was a freshman in high school, and by 10th grade, he had dropped out of school completely. He continued down a path of destruction. He was struggling with alcoholism and drugs. He began self-harming as a way of trying to cope. He went very far with that, tried to take his own life by hanging himself. This guy was going through a lot, and it may have been because of that, but he turned to the internet for solace. As we've seen with these kinds of guys, this is where it all starts. I can get my captive audience. So it just escalates from there. He went onto the internet and he went down some really dark rabbit holes. At one point in his life, he began to believe that he was a 300-year-old werewolf or maybe vampire. It depends on what source you're looking at. It's true. I, I read both and I was like, either way. Those are mythological creatures. <laughs> so, okay, great. He told his friends that he liked the taste of blood, and he emphasized this by wearing a necklace that had a small vial of blood hanging from it. A la Angelina Jolie, Billy Bob. Uh, I don't know. It didn't say whose blood it was. It might have been his own. Like, I don't actually know. Yeah. Uh, it didn't specify. I don't think I want to know. I if I'm going to be completely either. honest, Ooh. I think I'm good without that piece of information. <laughs> Um, just as a little side note, it should be noted that it was common knowledge that Jeremy had fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. This can cause a person to have a lower mental age. So a 20, just for an example, a 22 year old man would likely think more like a 15 year old boy. Mm -hmm. Uh, this could explain some of the reason why Jeremy was hanging out with teenagers in the first place. Does not make it right, but still. But it sounds like to me there is a chance that he connected to them on a mental level that we wouldn't understand without this piece of information. Right, absolutely. Um, He basically was just desperately trying to connect with people or anyone and wanting somewhere specific to belong. 
This longing led him to start hanging out with the goth kids from Medicine Hat Mall. He began getting into the goth culture around the same time he decided he was a vampire slash werewolf. <laughs> um, there are conflicting reports of the exact circumstances in which Jasmine and Jeremy met for the first time. A lot of people said it was at a punk rock show. Some say that a mutual friend introduced them, but either way... As of February 2006, Jeremy asked Jasmine to be his girlfriend, and she emphatically said, Heck yeah, sign me up. <laughs> she really did, though. Girl, bye. Uh, um, before we, now that we're at the point in which they are in a, rel- a, a relationship, heavy air quotes, I'm going to just throw out real quick, like, we use the term relationship when describing what was between Jeremy and Jasmine. Neither one of us believes that this is actually a relationship. I I just don't know how else to, like, refer to it's, it. It's true. In, um, well, otherwise it'll just be very confusing, I think, for right. our story. Exactly. But for all intents and purposes, she's 12. This right. is sexual abuse. Right. Like, that, that, so, that is it. We, I just wanted to, like, get it out Clarify, there ahead yeah. of time that, like, we don't believe that this is a truly consensual relationship, if you will. So despite Jasmine feeling the way that she felt... Anyways, she's really into it, right? Like, she's super excited. She really, like, really likes this guy. And she also knows that her parents would vehemently disapprove. Especially with the drugs and the alcohol. If they're having a sober home, you know what I mean? Right. Not only the age, but, like, also the extra onion. Again, we always say it's like an onion. It adds that (laughs) extra layer to it, you know what I mean? Absolutely. That makes it, like, even more concerning because they know what the life of addiction is like. And it's not pretty. They certainly (laughs) don't want that for their daughter. Absolutely. Meanwhile, her behavior at school was getting out of control. Her classmates began going out of their way to avoid her to the point where it was very noticeable by teachers. Some even claimed to have been a bit afraid of her. And if her behavior was similar to, like, Jeremy's behavior in the sense that he's, like, a vampire and shit, I can only imagine what she is behaving like. I don't, again, at 12, I was, like, still had Barbie dolls and shit and was yeah. watching cartoons and, like, The Mask all the time. Like, I was definitely not... <laughs> I was definitely not... Not doing any this. of this stuff. <laughs> no. No. At 12, absolutely not. Um, so, the, their, her friends and classmates and teachers, honestly... Literally everyone, <laughs> yeah. They were all really put off by this new persona that she was kind of adopting, the Jasmine that they knew, for example, wouldn't have an account with VampireFreaks.com, but she did. I, like, just laughed <laughs> when I read the name. She really did. Because, like, what? Who made up this website and then got people to be on this website? It's just crazy. Did so, you look it up? I, I didn't did. look it up. I did. <laughs> so, it's not really a thing too much anymore, but when it originally started, it, um... It was 1999, and it was just a small number of forums at the time that were dedicated to goth and industrial music. Okay, which, that sounds pretty harmless. Right, and 99, you know, that was really I, the time I feel like a lot of, like, forum-based and chat-based websites were really starting to take off. The internet well, because like, more and more people were getting computers and right? having access to stuff like this, and they were like, the internet, huh? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Exactly. <laughs> and so, 
you know, this thing eventually grew and became a large social network. And users were able to create their own little communities, like, via the forums within the site. And there were many people who actually claimed to have found their soulmates through connections made on this website. No judgment. Whatever, I guess. Whatever blows your hair back, but I'm shaking my head at you. (laughs) Vampire, did you make up a new story? Like a cover story? (laughs) You wouldn't be like, I met my husband on vampirefreaks.com, I mean, maybe, I guess, if they were proud of it. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know how these... They even um, had, so they started selling, like, merchandise, essentially, this website, because it was getting, like, a really, really big following. It even had a storefront in New York City for, like, a hot minute. Over time, this fizzled out, like most things do, and all that's left now is an online retailer that sells goth clothing that's actually really cute. Is it still called Vampire Freaks? It is, and honestly, it makes me want to buy something from their market. Mm -hmm. No, actually, they've got some really cute hoodies and stuff. I'm going to send you some things. I'm intrigued. <laughs> well, I was like, uh, my problem when I'm researching is if I go down one tiny little avenue, next thing I know, I'm like reading about, you know, yeah. former kings of Prussia or something. <laughs> and I'm like, how did I get here? Like, what's happening? So I try to stay focused and therefore I try not, I put blinders mm-hmm. on the stuff. That's okay. That's what I'm here for. Because I'm like, <laughs> I can't. If I go any farther, it's not going to end well. You know what I mean? My brain is relentless. Mm-hmm. It just I'm never gonna- relents. Um, so, vampirefreaks.com, y'all. Um, <laughs> Jeremy and Jasmine communicated daily. In addition to vampirefreaks.com, they also utilized a site called Nexopia, uh, which was basically just, from what I could see, like an AIM or like yeah. a, a Facebook like a back in the day kind of, kind of thing. Kind of vibe, right? But it was Canadian. Right. Because different, different strokes for different folks. Unbeknownst to Jasmine's parents, the two would often meet up and hang out at the mall with their friends or by themselves or ick, whatever. <laughs> um, they would also have late night phone calls on most nights. Also and gross. <laughs> other times, she would actually sneak out to go visit him instead. Even more gross. Jasmine and Jeremy's friends were not really okay with any part of this. And they noticed Jasmine changing so that she could be what Jeremy wanted. So none of this was a positive thing to literally anybody in their lives except for each other. Right. They were the only ones who were like, this is great. This is exactly what I want. nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with this whatsoever. And we're going to live... So many wrong things. Forever and ever, happily ever after. Well, because I believe... I don't know if we mentioned it or not, but Jeremy did think he was 300 years old right. at this point, mm, so yeah. he had already lived many lives. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. What's, what's another? Right, couple hundred years? I don't... Ugh. Ick. The ickiness. <laughs> um, so things come to a head one night. Jasmine really fucked up here, guys, and she left her younger brother home alone so she could go hang out with her gross new friends. So. That's not good. No. And rightfully so. This was Mark and Deborah's final straw. Between this and her behavior in school, it was time for a grounding. Fucking finally, right? Like, right. my Absolutely. God. I'm surprised it took that long to get to that point. Well, really. I mean, we you made that good point. She's starting puberty. 12 years old while I was still just, like, chilling. It's also a tumultuous time. Like, that's kind of smack dab in the middle of... My mom and I did have a very contentious relationship in my early teens. Mm. 
just because we are very much alike. Mm. Therefore, <laughs> we butted heads yeah. a lot. Well, and when those hormones are a raging, like, I'm 33 years old, and sometimes I still can't control myself when mm-hmm. my hormones are going crazy. No, absolutely. Nor, like, if you don't know what's happening. Or oh, you, for you sure. Or how to process it. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just a lot. So... They finally were like, okay, enough is enough. We're going to take away your phone. We're taking away your computer. And everybody is going to fucking counseling. Good. Good So literally they're doing all the right things here. I loved reading that therapy was like part of their deal. They're like, we're going to go to fucking therapy. All of us are. (laughs) Not just you, but mm -hmm, all of us. As a family. Mm -hmm. Um, This did not stop Jeremy and Jasmine, though. So... We mentioned that there were conflicting reports of how they met, and one thing was The Rock Show. So the other version of The Rock Show I read, I think it was on Reddit, of all places, so take it with a grain of salt. I can't do it on Reddit. I just cannot. um, Somebody alleged that the concert was a reward to Jasmine for doing better by proving, heavy air quotes, that she wasn't going down that down path anymore if you yeah know. and her parents were like you know what cool like that's fine but we're going with you because you are 12 you're not gonna go to a punk rock show well, yeah by yourself again this is what good parenting looks like responsible <laughs> adults in charge of their children so in this version of events jasmine sneaks away meets up with Jeremy at the concert. Like, her oh, parents, I'm going to go to the bathroom yeah, and then just disappear. Her parents roll up on them, like, furiously making out with each other. Ew. Yeah. And they, like, pulled her off of them, and this was kind of, like, according to this source, this was kind of the moment that really graduated things. Like, escalated it mm-hmm. into, like, this territory. Well, in addition to the fact that by April, just a couple months after they met, the quote-unquote relationship that they had became sexual oh lord now keep in mind per canadian law this is considered a sex crime jasmine was under the age of consent which is 14 in the area that this happened which makes this by definition child molestation also 14 is very young (laughs) That's a whole other right, thing for I a know. whole other moment. Side note. Don't even get me fucking started on the age of consent no. anywhere in this world. <laughs> even 16, I'm like, I don't know about that. Our brains are not fully formed to make good decisions until you are in your early 20s. Why are we consenting, allowing children to consent to something that has lifelong consequences i don't like to use the term consequences because i feel like that's a better word like if you make a choice it could end up doing this which really could impact your life in a negative way like anyways that's neither here nor there (laughs) but you know this this fact here guys is really what makes this case really tough because 12 is absolutely old enough to know that murder is fucking wrong But it's also an age where you aren't really capable of seeing those long-term ramifications of these kinds of choices. You're more impulsive. Jasmine claims she was desperately in love with Jeremy and didn't want there to be anyone standing in their way. And unfortunately, her parents were attempting to do just that. And she was upset about it. They both were. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Yuck. So as a 12-year-old, obviously, you don't have any sort of refined problem-solving skills or even much in the way of critical thinking skills. So 
it's not too surprising to anyone in this room that Jasmine came up with what she thought was the perfect solution to their problem. After all, she's basically just looking for a permanent instant gratification here. Like, I want what I want. I want it right now. I don't know a lot of adults. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to do it. Honestly, that have good critical thinking skills. I mean, that's that's true. (laughs) Let alone a 12-year-old who is essentially being groomed by a 23-year-old man. Right, right. Um, because in this instance, Jasmine is actually the one who came up with the initial plot to murder her whole family. Yeah. She wrote Jeremy one night via, I I think it was online somewhere, and told him, quote, I have this plan. It begins with me killing them and ends with me living with you, end quote. Like, is that how she, like, opened the chats? I know. Like, what led up to this point? Like, did she just... Get into a fight with her parents one day and, like, I... Girl. Because <laughs> uh, since all of this has happened, that site doesn't... They took off all their chats yeah. and stuff. It used to be, like, a public forum, but right. it's all gone, obviously, now. So I mean, as an owner of said site, I don't know that I would want to have the site anymore mm-hmm. if it was facilitated. Like, no, for sure. I don't know. Like, That's what a can huge happen. gray area, but still, like, it makes me feel icky. Right. Um, Jeremy actually responded with, quote, well, I love your plan, but we need to get a little more creative with, like, details and stuff. This fucking guy. I know. See, Jeremy had this weird obsession with the movie Natural Born Killers, which Mm. I've never seen. Oh, you've never seen it? We're gonna, okay, so I don't want to, like, glorify this movie in any way, shape, or form, considering the impact that it's had, but it's really good. I've heard it's a good movie. Woody Harrelson, Juliette Lewis, well, sign I me the lo- fuck I love up. Them both. It's, and the, it's, we're gonna have to watch it, especially now that we've covered it, and you don't, I'm not even gonna tell you about it. No, I don't no. want to know anything. I mean, no. I know what I've read from right. this, but that's about we're it. We're gonna watch it, and you're gonna fucking lose your mind. <laughs> Now, see, uh, Jeremy looked at this movie like a weird love story, because I've heard the movie's twisted, Mm -hmm. Um, but he actually seemed to basically idolize the main characters of the film. So, this would make one, like us, wonder how much of this plot to kill Jasmine's family was her own idea, or was it born out of Jeremy's influence on her, or maybe it was a combination of both things, like meeting in the middle, you know what I mean? We, We don't know. Um, he actually loved this movie so much that he watched it with his friends just hours before actually committing the murders. And if I remember correctly, they were getting wasted. Yes. Which the first time I actually saw this movie, I was tripping on acid. Mm-mm. Which I don't suggest you do Terrible if you've never idea. seen this movie. <laughs> I had to watch it another time sober just to make sure that I didn't hallucinate, hallucinate anything. Right. And I didn't. All the images I saw were definitely in the movie. It's, it was good, though. I still recommend. <laughs> Maybe someday. <laughs> no, we're going to add it to our like movie bucket list. Um, so Jeremy actually did tell his friends about the plan that he and Jasmine had cooked up. Uh, he basically stated that they were going to execute something similar to the movie's beginning, but they wouldn't, in this case, be sparing the brother. There are reports that Jasmine had told her friends as well about the plans, but because Jeremy's fucked in the head and jasmine is 12 (laughs) nobody actually believed that they were going to go through with it they just thought it was the anger at her parents that was taking root so nobody reported anything well because like okay let's let's be realistic about it i'm sure 
sure. I've definitely had very negative thoughts about, like, wanting to run away or harming, like, mm-hmm. my parents and things like that. Or maybe their significant others more specifically. <laughs> but, like, I feel like it's natural if you're in a tumultuous situation, especially in an abusive situation like Jeremy was. It right. could definitely, like, I don't, I don't not understand how they got here. I just don't understand how they went through with it. Well, and I think with his mental right. capacity exactly. and the situation he was in, like, he just didn't stand a chance here. Jasmine is a child, so she does not really... I don't like to say that she was the aggressor, because I don't feel like that's the right term, but we really don't know how much of their relationship <laughs> was her being a little bit more dominant. I right. mean, like, she was a very confident and secure young girl, and, like, he doesn't seem to be that alpha kind of guy that I feel like this relationship would usually right. assume in those roles. Right. That doesn't mean this... Who knows? That's the thing about this case, and we'll, we'll touch on it later, but because of, like, certain laws in Canada, there wasn't a lot of information. There's not anything out there other than the basic yeah. stuff. We're working with what we've got here, people. Right, exactly. And the thing is, they're friends who thought... Nothing would come of it. <laughs> ...were very, very, very wrong. Because the night of April 23rd, 2006, Jeremy and Jasmine carry out their plans... Jeremy breaks into or gets, like, let into the basement. Um, nobody really knows for sure how he ended up in there, but he did. Uh, one way or another, he gained access to their home Like, Jasmine either left one of the windows open or he broke in, you know, that whole kind of, that whole jazz. So, Deborah heard noises of a very intoxicated Jeremy clumsily moving about the basement. She assumed that the noise was coming from her daughter trying to sneak out. Which is a valid concern, because that's happened before. Well, and they've been having all these, you know, issues and all this stuff, so of course. So she heads down to confront the situation, and when she gets into the basement, Jeremy attacks her, and he begins to stab her no less than 12 times, one of the wounds stabbing directly into her heart, going almost 12 centimeters deep, which is approximately about 5 inches. Which is very, that's a lot, guys. Which is likely the one that that killed her. her, yes. So Mark hears his wife screaming and runs down to the basement. The first thing he sees is Deborah laying on the ground, covered in her own blood. The next thing he sees is Jeremy. Now, he was armed with a screwdriver because this man was smart, and he wasn't going to just go to where his wife was screaming without a weapon. Um, And he attacks Jeremy, and the two kind of scuffle around a bit. Jeremy manages to get himself out from underneath Mark somehow, and proceeds to stab him no less than 24 times. Nine of which were in the back. So much rage there. Yeah. You don't... I mean, 24 is... That's ridiculous. That is... And, like, physically, that's a lot to do. But again, like, he was very... When I say he was intoxicated, guys, like, he was fucking wasted. He was drinking. He was smoking. He was blowing coke. Like, he... The fucking trifecta. Like, he was fucked up. It, like it's That's just crazy to me. Yeah, it. When I read that, it, to me that it leads me to believe that he maybe wasn't like super into this idea. Right, but he didn't see a choice. I feel because he wanted to keep yeah. Jasmine. So the only way to do that is to do what we plan. Exactly. So that's where we're at with all of this. Mm. So apparently, allegedly, Mark asks Jeremy, like, "Why are you doing this?" And Jeremy responds with something along the lines of, because you treat your daughter like shit, 
and she wanted this. Or, like, she wanted it this way. Right. Something along those lines. It's at this point in the night that Jasmine heads to her brother's room, where she slits his throat, in addition to stabbing him five times. Some reports um, say that Jasmine only stabbed her brother, but that Jeremy shot him, which ended the attack. Either way, Tyler is left dead on the bed, surrounded by his blood-spattered toys, while begging for his, his begging his sister for his life, basically. He was like, I'm too, I'm scared, I'm too young to die. And I just, I don't know. I have a younger brother. I can never, I can never imagine, no matter how, like, I could be so angry at everyone in the world, but never him. Not, not even, you could be upset, but to be to this point, like, I just can't imagine. But here's the thing, guys, like, the reason, this is the fuck, like, you think the everything most else is fucked, fucked up? up like, this is the most fucked up part of it, is that the reason that she did this was because she seemed to be of the mindset that leaving him to live without parents would have been too cruel. Yeah, but killing him, I think, is more cruel, so... Right. I don't get it, y'all. And I think that's a really good indication of her mindset, honestly, like, throughout this whole thing. Like, I think that speaks volumes. Oh, for sure. That she was only concerned with her end goal, and she was going to get her end goal. No matter what. Nobody was standing in her way. Nobody. And I wonder if she was concerned that if her brother stayed alive, she wouldn't be able to be with Jeremy for XYZ. Right. Like, I wonder if that was more of it. Well, I mean, that could be. I never thought of it that way, but I could see if your brain's already so friggin' twisted, mm-hmm. that would make sense. You know what I mean? I was <coughs> trying to, like, yeah. navigate that fucked up mindset for a hot second. The After the attack was over, like, Jeremy took off separately. Uh, Jasmine grabs her mother's purse. She calls a taxi. She heads to an ATM. Then she goes to a convenience store, and then she heads to Jeremy's trailer. At no point did she try to alert authorities or ask for any kind of help. Because that did come up in her trial. Yes. Like, you had 15 different opportunities to be like, help. Right. Because she basically, I believe, thought she was brainwashed or used that as a defense. But I'm like, all this stuff sort of proves that... Which, it's... It is plausible because, again, even if she wasn't quote-unquote brainwashed, she was still only 12. Oh, I know. You know what I mean? That's what that's what grinds my gears about this case is because, like, I want to I wanna be mad at her and hate her so much more, but I, I feel like I can't. Her, so. But I feel like I can't hate her with the fervor I want to. Right. No, you know that what makes I mean? Because at the end of the day, how much of this was the fact that she was 12 years old, smitten with a, a man... Who should not have been part of this in any way, shape, or form. You're right. You know? You're right, girl. You're right. Um, So, unfortunately, the bodies of the family are not discovered until the next afternoon. A neighbor actually called authorities and reported that her son saw bodies through the window of the house because he went over and knocked on the door for a play date with Tyler, which just breaks my heart. Okay. So, like... How did he see the bodies, though? Because if they're in the basement... So their house was not a split level, but it looked like there were those basement windows that looked like submarine and windows. Okay, so that's like... So they were Jeremy. by the front door, and the front door was literally right there. 
okay. from what I saw of the house. I didn't look at the house, so that would make sense. They were on Murderpedia. Mm-hmm. They had photos of that the mm-hmm. exterior of the house. So it looked like the you know those windows that uh-huh. are ground level basically. Yeah. It looked like those kind of dealies. Which would make sense because Jeremy had to get into that somehow. Right. Like he wasn't like I mean he was slight, but I mean again, grown ass man. Right. Get through the basement window. Not tiny teeny weeny. Nope. And I don't, I don't know, if I was knocking on the door and nobody was answering when I thought they should be, I would probably yeah. creep around well, and look again, in the windows, too. Because he's also a child, so right. he's probably just curious, like, where the heck's my friend at? Right. Um, police do arrive on the scene very quickly, and they enter the house. They find Mark and Deborah in the basement with Tyler upstairs. They begin looking through the house, just sort of, like, seeing what's what. And they come across some family photos that are just hanging on the wall. This is how they initially figured out that this wasn't just a family of three that had all been murdered, but it was a family of four. So that means somebody's missing. Mm -hmm. And due to the brutal nature of the murders, police just assume that Jasmine has been kidnapped. She might already be dead. She just might be somewhere else. Like, they don't know what's going on. They go into, like, a panic mode. Well, it, I would assume it would be like an Amber Alert here, like yeah. missing child, you know, age 12, so on and so forth, here's the picture we have, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Because they generally get those started, like, right away when they think there's a missing kid. You can't fuck around with, like, waiting on that stuff. Well, and especially given this crime scene and the brutalness of it, I'm sure they were like, ooh, SOS, mm-hmm. somebody help us, you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, however... In this instance, it doesn't take very long for law enforcement to find all of the communication between Jasmine and Jeremy, and they sort of start putting the puzzle pieces together already. Um, that same day, Jeremy and Jasmine are arrested, along with a friend of theirs named Casey Lancaster. Quite soon after their arrest, I, d- I don't remember if it was in a letter or like a phone call or what, but Jeremy proposed... Mm-hmm. <sighs> To Jasmine, and she gladly, happily was like, yes, I accept. Yep. Ick. Yep. Icky poo-poo. And at this point, I'm fairly certain that they were, like, already separated, Mm -hmm. like, already booked, already... Well, I think in well, a case like this, way. obviously, if you have two suspects, you put them in separate rooms. Well, and I'm, I've watched a, enough law in order to know that. One is a literal child. I know. And as we're going to learn, Canada handles things a little bit differently. They do. Once Jasmine became an official suspect, her name was no longer allowed to be published in any kind of media. Like at all? None. Nada. This is due to the Youth Criminal Justice Act, which states that 12 is the youngest age at which a person can be can even be charged with the crime, and that convicts under the age of 14 at the time they committed the crime cannot be sentenced as adults. No matter what the crime no is. No matter what. We do have some, like, similar laws here in the states, uh, ones that protect the identity of minors involved in crime, so that's nothing really unusual. However, one thing that is very different is the sentencing laws under this act. Specifically, they can't sentence them to more than 10 years. No matter what. No matter what. Because I feel as though here, even if you are 12, 13, 14, they hold a hearing to decide whether or not you can be tried as an adult. Yeah, pretty much. In Canada, that's not even an option. Right. It's just 10 years is the maximum, no matter what. If you are under the age of 14, when you kill a person, that's just because, like, with Jasmine, she was, what, 12 and a half years old Mm -hmm. when the murders occurred? So all of this applies to her. Yep. 
And a trial does take place in which Jasmine claimed that she had feared she feared Jeremy and that she only went along with things so that she could stay safe. And which is why we were kind of mentioning the whole like why didn't you call anybody because right. she claims to say, she said like quote through the trial I was like a zombie I could barely function. It didn't even enter my mind to call 911. And that's why I say brainwashed exactly. because like if you're so focused on your end goal and Jeremy that mm-hmm. you don't even think to get help, like, obviously something's going on, you know Right. What I mean? For sure. Jasmine pled not guilty, claiming that the conversations about killing her family were hypothetical and that she'd never intended on going through with any of it. Which, okay. <laughs> right, Okay. I just don't believe you. No, I'm sorry. Like, I, th- I think you're lying to me. I definitely think, at the very least, you were a little into this idea. Yes. Well, like, from everything that I've read, she was the first one to suggest The instigator. It. So, even if you didn't mean it, you still put the idea in the head. So into you, the head of somebody mm-hmm. who is not right for a number of right, reasons. Right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, despite initially denying any participation, Jasmine does eventually admit some of or all of the truth. Uh, At one point during her trial, she is asked why she did this, why they did this, and she responded with, quote, I loved him so much, I thought it would bring us closer together, end quote. That never works. No. Ever. It's like Especially in murder. It's like having a baby to save the marriage. Don't like, it's just do it. Again. Again. What? <laughs> like, what are you doing? So, Bad decision making. Seriously. <laughs> After about 30 days of trial in July of 2007, Jasmine Richardson was found guilty of three counts of first degree murder. She is believed to be the youngest person ever convicted of multiple murders in Canada. I believe that record, quote-unquote, still unfortunately stands. I believe you are correct. I couldn't find anything that contradicted that. Well, because, again, Canada protects the children, which is a good thing. So there was not a lot of information out there. Like, we had to do some digging here, unfortunately. Um. That fall, which is around November, Jasmine receives the maximum penalty that is allowed, which is a 10-year imprisonment. It does, however, include the time that she has already served. Uh, The first four years of her imprisonment would take place in a psychiatric institution with the latter half of the sentence spent under conditional supervision, which I took to mean like a group home or something like that. Yeah, that's what I read. So she could still sort of come and go, but not all the way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because if I remember correctly, it was four years in the psychiatric ward, four and a half years under this conditional supervision, because a year and a half had already been mm-hmm. served yeah. by the time this had happened. Yep. By the time she was actually sentenced. Not a bad gig, I guess, for committing three murders. Three murders. This just family. seems so... Ugh, I don't like it. Bleh. Jeremy's experience was quite a bit different than Jasmine's, as I'm sure you can imagine. Well, yeah. He got tried as an adult because, you know, he was one. 23 years old. His trial took place in November of 2008, during which he was also found guilty of three counts of first-degree murder. The next month, Jeremy receives three life sentences that are to be served concurrently. He does, however, get a shot at parole after 25 years, which is not something we see a lot here in no, the States with all. cases like this. Especially with the violence and the mm-hmm, all the things. Well, I also feel like, depending on where this happened in the States they would probably also try to throw, like, some sex crime 
charges. At oh, him, for sure. Which would be rightfully deserved. Absolutely. So I found that interesting also that there wasn't any. Hmm. I wonder if they just figured we, well, you had them lock, stock, and barrel for all of it. Yeah. So I don't, I guess, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how parole and stuff works in Canada. We really didn't delve into it right. that much. Like, do they have parole hearings like they have here? Like, I don't. From I a don't lot know. of the proceedings that I've researched, it seems very similar in a lot of ways, but they do also fall under a lot of, like, UK kind of yeah. proceedings also. Um, it's fascinating nonetheless. Well, because the I most think. experience I have with Canadian trial proceedings is. Like kind of Barbie killers, killers. Yeah. and you know Homolka sort of got a screaming deal. Don't even <laughs> get me started on her. I have had Homolka. such a week. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, like her, her husband is where he should be permanently locked up somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how parole works. Like he still talks to the press and stuff. So who the frick knows? Well, he's a narcissist through and through. <sighs> she's just like she's scarier almost because he at least. He at least wears his crazy, like, on his Like sleeve. a badge of crazy like, honor. Hey, <laughs> I'm a sadistic sexual fuck. Right. <laughs> like, her, however. Anyways, that's a whole nother thing. Oh, yes. If you're interested in that case, as you can tell, we have already it's covered true. it. We've covered it in two whole <laughs> Extensively. parts. Extensively. Um, so you might remember us previously mentioning a Casey Lancaster. It turns out that she was a friend of Jeremy's who was arrested with the quote-unquote couple... <sighs> Uh, she Gross. wound up being charged with accessory to murder. Turns out that Jeremy had actually asked a few of his friend group people about whether or not they were interested in getting involved with these deep, dark, it, twisty plans. Isn't that some shit? Like, this fucking dude literally was, like, going around at a party. And he might like, as well have hey. had a bullhorn and been like, I'm going to commit murder. Who wants to <laughs> get in on this? These two, they, they are not smooth criminals Ugh. because they literally, like, they didn't even make it a day on the lamb, if you will. Well, and they were telling everybody. Well, yeah. Mm. He literally told his entire... They were watching a movie, and he literally was like, yeah, we're about to go do this shit. We're about to go kill a whole family. We're going to make it worse, though, because we're not going to spare anybody. Yeah. Right? Ugh. And Casey, y'all, Casey was like, ooh, yes, sign me up. I'm so... I would love to know what he said to her specifically mm. like did he tell her that it was a murder or did he tell her that he just needed to like hang out with her and or was there her? some sort of like weird love triangle and she was like jeremy oh, you're so yeah. handsome yeah. i want to also be a werewolf slash vampire <laughs> Stop you know it. what i mean uh, maybe who knows know. what happened pure speculation because all we have on casey is literally what susan's yeah. about to tell you but like because I did watch, I actually did hear of this case after I started researching. I was like, oh yeah, the light bulb went off. Mm-hmm. Deadly women. She's not my- even a woman, but mm-hmm. she was on Deadly Women. And they did a re because I love, I love <laughs> a good, bad reenactment. Oh God, it's the best. And I it? love Deadly Women, but guys, those reenactments, <laughs> wowee. Some are so good. <laughs> But this one, so allegedly Casey drove the getaway vehicle the night of the murders. So in Deadly Women, it showed, like, everybody in the dark, like, looking around suspiciously as she peels out in a truck. Well, and especially (laughs) because we know that Jasmine did her own thing. Yes. So, like, it was just Jeremy She drove Jeremy Jeremy back to his trailer. Mm -hmm. And God But, like, it showed, so the pictures of the Richardson home were in, like, this beautiful little subdivision. It looked like... 
middle class Canada to me. The name, it's called medicine hat. In deadly women, it was like driving through the woods. And I was like, I don't see any woods. I mean, there might be woods like in the background, but she did. She wouldn't have had to drive through trees to get out. It was a subdivision, y'all. <laughs> right. It was like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. houses on a cul-de-sac or a tiny little road mm-hmm. or whatever. But anyways, I'm getting off topic here. So Casey allegedly, quote unquote, drove the getaway vehicle in addition to helping dispose of evidence. The accessory charge, however, is dropped and Casey pleads guilty to an obstruction charge and basically just begins at this time working on her plea bargain, trying to get out of jail, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, as you should. <laughs> Maybe I would do be, it, but I okay. would be like, no way, Jose. Like, this is fucked up. He told yep. me we were going to go watch Natural Born Killers. I thought we were going to just blow some coke and have a good time. I mean, whatever blows your hair back. They're, you know, driving and murdering. Like, dear <laughs> Lord. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> um, at any rate, she does wind up avoiding jail. She ends up receiving a sentence of one year of house arrest. And I thought this part was weird. She is also court-ordered to abstain from drug or alcohol use. Well, probably because literally they were so fucked up. Well, I just wonder, though, how would you monitor the alcohol? Well, she's on. Mm, well, you can test for that. Like every blood. Mm-hmm. If you're on blood every day. If you're on house arrest and they're like trying to monitor, especially Canada with their like universal health care and shit. Like you, want, you know the actual caring. You know what I part. mean. I feel like they probably have those kinds of things in place. So yeah. like, I would assume that they followed up on it. Hmm. Well, because here. <laughs> Someone I know was on probation and was like, oh, you can check in online with your probation officer. Uh, They don't actually have to see you? Well, I think it depends on the probation officer and their preferences, honestly. I had a friend who was also on probation, and they had a handful of visits, but then the pandemic happened, and they were, like, not a headache for the probation officer. They were doing all the things that they were supposed to do. And so after that, it was just, like, check-ins over the phone. But they built that trust with their officer. Well, this was from start to finish. This person yeah. said, oh, I never actually checked in in person. It Do was just online. And I was like, on probation for? A DUI. That's probably... Uh, that just sounds like a lazy probation officer. Well, because opinion. I feel as though DUI people are likely to reoffend, as we've seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, pick up... Read any article oh, online, yeah. and it's like that lady that was going a thousand miles an hour and killed five people. I <laughs> hate drunk drivers. I hate them so much. There's no excuse for it, especially today, where there's lifts and there's Ubers, Ubers and there's all sorts sleep of on shit. The couch. You can call me. I don't care. I'd rather you call me and ask for a ride than I find out that you're dead because you were stupid. Or that you're in jail because you were stupid. And you killed six people because you're stupid. So I wonder if that had something to do with it. Like, if Casey, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe she tested positive for drugs. Maybe they admitted that there was, like, drugs involved in this. Well, and I'm hoping Casey, at least out of this whole story, has turned her life around and learned the error of her ways. We don't hear anything about her either, so hopefully... Don't drive getaway trucks through the woods. (laughs) If your creepy friend is like, hey... Want to take me someplace? Say no. Again, so no murder plots. No murder plots. Okay, great. I'm glad we're checking all the boxes here. (laughs) So, part of the Youth Criminal Justice Act is a focus on rehabilitation. And I find this interesting. Because I don't feel as though this exists here in the... It, it doesn't. (laughs) I don't go to all of USA. I don't feel like it's a thing here. I firmly believe that our justice system our 
prison system is not about rehabilitation. Oh, no, absolutely. I think it's about churning out more offenders, but that's a hot take for another time. With this particular situation, um, this Youth Criminal Justice Act notes specifically that the youth justice system must reflect the fact that young people lack the maturity of adults, which accurate is statement. accurate. A quote from the act itself, the youth system is different from the adult system in many respects. Measures of accountability are consistent with the young person's reduced level of maturity. Procedural protections are enhanced. Rehabilitation and reintegration are given special emphasis and the importance of timely intervention is recognized. Which all of that sounds accurate to me. So their goal is basically to address the underlying reasons that could be behind the criminal behavior. An example being, but not limited to, a pre-existing mental condition. Because I mean, like a twelve-year-old doing this is definitely mental, right? Like oh, for something's sure. got to be fucking going for sure. On. So. This act also covers, like, the rights and considerations afforded to the minor while going throughout this process. Like we mentioned, there's very limited information on this case, and that is because of this law. The only reason we even know Jasmine's name is because she was considered a victim initially. So her picture and name was reported. But once that changed, she became solely referred to as JR. Like, even in the court documents and stuff I was able to read through, it was JR. Yeah. And I was like... <laughs> But we know who it is. Like, they even, I think, at trial, like, tried to obscure her from, like, the gallery. Which, in that case, like, why not just close it off? You yeah, know what why I mean? would you even have it? But they tried to, like, block her from Transparency view. and all that stuff yeah. is, of the justice system as well. And so, like, at what point are you just completely... I don't know. I... I I like that this exists. I'm just not really sure how it makes me feel. If I know. I'm, if I'm going to be completely honest. Well, and honestly, we could do a deep dive of this perhaps. Someday. I'd be interested yes. in it. Deal with other youths. Ooh, in we this could do instance. a comparison of like Canada versus the states. That would be interesting. I'm sure, we could. If find you guys, guys want to hear me get those. really fucking mad, <laughs> let's talk about that. Even madder than normal <laughs> than we normally get, because we're we're here for you. I'm so spicy. <laughs> so. The biggest take thing to take away from all of this is the fact that Jasmine went through the rehabilitation process. So, like we mentioned earlier, she had to go to a psychiatric facility first. There she gets diagnosed with a conduct disorder, which is when a child displays antisocial behavior. And they also tend to disregard social standards and rules. So, check, check, and fucking check. I was like, mm-hmm, that all, that all matches up. Yep. <laughs> so, in the fall of 2011, Jasmine begins taking online college courses, and she's released from the psychiatric hospital. As of October of the next year, Jasmine's rehab seemed to be going super great. Um, she had begun to finally express some remorse for her actions, and according to expert these experts... Because there were a lot of them. Mm, several. <laughs> These several emotions experts. did seem genuine. Um, her living situation changed, of course, like with everything in this case. There are conflicting reports. Some say that she lived in a group home while finishing up her sentence. But others said that she had a full-time job and lived in an apartment with a roommate. Which so I don't believe that at all. I don't think so. Because what... Well, I don't know. I wanted to mention it just because it was said. Oh, no, for sure. And I think it's... An interesting thought process, but like, 
come on. Well, I don't, I don't care who the offender is. In a situation like this, I feel as though they would keep her for the full time, which would be a group home while right. you're finishing up your sentence. You would. <sighs> that makes more sense to me. But I, again, I could see either way because, from all intents and purposes, she was doing really well and working the program, if you will, for yeah. like all of all that she could get out of it. Like mm-hmm. she was doing all the right things. Yeah, it definitely Following seems. Following all the steps, checking all the boxes. So it just makes one wonder. Mm-hmm. She has a history of being able to make it seem like she changed over a new leaf, and she didn't. I'm just saying. mm -hmm, You know I like to play devil's advocate. And again, this is where my questions come in. Like, Mm -hmm. is she manipulating everybody in the system? It makes one wonder. Because there was another person that was a lot like that, and her name was Carla. (laughs) So, you never know. Um, Whatever. (laughs) Uh, Jasmine's sentence was formally over in May of 2016. So... It has been over for a while now. Um, She was officially free from any other court-ordered conditions, restrictions, or supervision. Uh, The judge did a final sentence review, and despite Jasmine not offering a statement of remorse or even an apology, he still deemed her unlikely to reoffend. Which, again, that could just be like we watch a lot of Criminal Minds. Like he won't reoffend, she won't reoffend because she's not with who made her offend in the first place. Which is not to keep going back to Ken and Barbie but that's what they said about Carla especially it was that yes she had psychotic tendencies but it wasn't until she was with Bernardo that those got brought out well and also Jasmine was 12 so a literal child you know what I mean again she she didn't know who she was she Mm. was just latching on to what she found attractive at the time Um, So, Bench Justice Scott Brooker said, quote, you've indicated through your conduct you have a desire to atone for what you did, end quote. He goes on to say, I think your parents and brother would be proud of you. Clearly, you cannot undo the past. You can only live each day with the knowledge you can control how you behave and what you do each day. Was that a dig? Do you think that was him trying to be like... You have to live with this for the rest of your life, so you better act right. Uh, I hope so. Because that's what I, that's how I read it. Because I love that this judge was like, let me flip my hair and be like, dig, dig, dig. But also like, look how fancy I sound. <laughs> that's a very cleverly disguised yeah. dig if it that's, is one. That's how I took it. And, and it's probably just because I'm a cynic at heart, honestly. And I don't, I don't trust anybody to have good intentions. No, but I... I I could see it that way. But, like, you know, if you're, if you want to hurt somebody, like, and somebody that, like, like, if you wanted to hurt me the worst, you could be like, oh, your grandmother wouldn't be proud of you. Because that would, like, kill me that she wouldn't be. You know, I lost her. I mourn her still. Like, so I wonder if it was something along those lines. If you're really trying to, like, ram right into, like, that soft spot. I mean, Mike could be. I hope so. I don't see Canadians as vindictive like that, no. but you never know. I'm sure they exist out there. I would like to think that he would at least be stern and True. direct. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like, this is... She was complicit in taking the lives of three people. Absolutely. Like, and even aided and per- potentially took one life herself. Right, you know exactly. What I, mean? so, like, I just don't... Hmm. But at the end of the day, Jasmine did not go back to Medicine Hat... 
which I did read there were things from some of her neighbors that were like, oh, we'd welcome her back with open arms. And then there were the other neighbors that were like, oh, Stay hell no. Away. Like, after what she did, she would never be welcome here, so on and so forth. And, and then I was like, I, also found, I see both. I do too. And again, that's what makes this case really hard, is that, like, I both feel bad for her. Because I don't feel like she was, she was likely manipulated and likely groomed and all this stuff. But also, like, the fuck are you thinking? You, <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, I feel as though she had to have known that suggesting something like that to somebody like Jeremy perhaps could have led to what it led to. Exactly. So I do believe she's responsible. Yeah. In some, to some degree. Mm-hmm. But again children <laughs> i also found it interesting that there was neighbors and like community members from medicine hat that kind of fell in the middle mm-hmm. like i don't necessarily want her living here but also i don't think it's good for her right to be here either oh true because this was like this is where that all that happened it to was be around it and see because like again reminders of it all the time would be a lot there was no there was no talks that i could find of like her parents mistreating her or anything mm-hmm. like that but like that doesn't mean it didn't exist. Right. You never know. Or, or something happened to her at some point that wasn't at the hand of her parents. If she was hanging out in sketchy situations with some dudes like that. Right. We, d- we decay. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, she did change her name, um, which I feel as though, again, sorry about Ken and Barbie, but Carla Homolka did the same thing and they found her. She tried. Because she was an adult, though. I feel like I would not recognize Jasmine from her. Yeah school portrait when she was 12 you know what I mean well, or, or even, the, even the pictures on social media that her and Jeremy posted like I yeah. don't think I would recognize well, no. her and I still look literally the same like if you look at pictures for me like my face looks the same but like 99% of people look vastly different from their 12 year old selves oh for sure <laughs> like, vastly different for sure so she changed her name she settled somewhere else in the country we don't know where also, all of these records are sealed. Um, this is another weird caveat of yeah. Canadian law. So if she went five years without offending again, they would seal all the records so nobody could get into them ever, which she has done because it's been more than five years mm-hmm. that she's been out, even at this point. And I would like to think that if she reoffended under this new name, it would likely get figured out by some way, shape, or form. Oh, well, I, so I, I don't know if they may be connected or put it yeah. under aliases or something. Like, I could see the records being sealed, but something like that, you'd still want to keep tabs yeah, on. I, I mean, I would. That that Somebody. makes logic sense to me, but God only knows. I don't know how their system works. <laughs> so, a couple little fun... We'll say of, fun with quotes, because it's, in, it's, it's, it's interesting. interesting. That's a better word for it. A couple little interesting things before we wrap up tonight's episode. So when Jeremy was arrested, he had a conversation with an undercover officer. I found the transcript. Because, again, some people just really like to talk. Well, and he's not, like, okay, let's... I think we can all agree that <laughs> he was not really he was not mentally 23 Mm -hmm. like i do think it's safe to say that he and jasmine probably did have some of what of a connection just due to her maturity and his immaturity yeah like that probably did connect at some time so and i mean i read 
the transcript was like 30 or 60 pages of this PDF. I probably read 38 of them. And then I got to the point where I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, well, because a lot of it's swearing and indiscernible. It says so expletive. Like- <laughs> but also, like, there's a lot of just, like, nonsense and a lot of the UC having to, like, redirect the conversation. And the UC even having to, like, come up with his own backstory. Like, he had a whole backstory. Like, he was in jail. So was, going- this, was this undercover officer planted, like, in the cell with him? They or were in, like, general population they kind were of thing? in a car together, going from one place to the next. Oh, so, like, like, a prison Jeremy had gotten booked, I'm pretty sure, and then was getting transferred to the next place. This guy got picked up along the way, uh-huh. quote-unquote. It's and weird how that would happen. And when he got, like, to, at another jail or something, right. which does happen. So, I it mean, does. they definitely had, like, a good plan. Um, and then the UC basically was like, yeah, like, I, I got arrested for assault, saying that, like, he assaulted a man who harassed his girlfriend so um, he really like put him on the same level kind of thing yeah like that's, we're the same that's basically. how i took it essentially Ooh. like him just trying to because there was a lot of like well and we're gonna get into it because i picked some excerpts that Let's i thought were it. kind of interesting and that would just kind of lend a little bit of more information to the story so early on in their conversation the uc asks stinky what happened like and he's referring to why are you in jail so at this point in the conversation the uc had just got done telling him that he you know did all of this stuff stinky goes you know did you hear about that triple homicide the uc is like yeah like no shit like what expletive (laughs) expletive stinky's like yeah (laughs) you're looking at him and the uc literally goes no shit you're fuck fuck you're famous brother (laughs) because you know how like those men talk and they, they use terms like old lady yeah so mm. like a very like mc kind of vibe mm. um so stinky replies he's like yeah so i've heard me and my old lady have become legends and they kind of just like went back and forth for a moment and then he does say like well fuck we had enough time to get engaged before we got arrested so i wonder if it was before the arrest like this makes it uh, sound like it was like before the actual arrest so but why would the police then have record of them being engaged yeah it's my sure. only issue unless they put them in like a holding cell or some sort of area together when they pick them up i like, don't know that doesn't seem like <laughs> i know um so the undercover officer and jeremy just sort of like chat 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 um the undercover guy gets him to talk about jasmine a little bit jeremy just is like icky about how great their relationship is Mm -hmm. um apparently they were gonna move to germany which aren't vampires from Transylvania, so <laughs> what? The werewolves come from all over, so I think you're missing, <laughs> they can be anybody. I think so you're missing the yeah. point. <laughs> um, Jeremy then goes on to discuss his extensive sword and knife collection, which I don't know, ladies, girls, my friends, that's a red flag. Unless they're like kitchen knives to cook you delicious dinner. Wasn't Billy Bob Thornton and Knives? Probably. Or Angelina Jolie. Wasn't there like a whole Probably. thing with the whole blood and knife thing now that I'm thinking of it? That, I mean, I don't know. Huh. I, I think they're both crazy, but whatever blows your hair back. Again, just if you have knives other than to like hang on the wall or cook dinner with, you have no reason to have knives. Well, it was really <laughs> creepy and weird too because like Jeremy, like I'm going to 
make sure that I have the transcript like website linked for you guys because it's definitely if you're interested it's kind of worth the read it was interesting um he talks about how he has this like st the start of this like collection of shit and then he literally mentions that like oh shit this whole like getting arrested things probably gonna make it hard to leave the country I really wanted to go get a katana from Japan and then that's when he mentioned they were gonna move to Ger uh, Germany dear lord <laughs> so at one point Jeremy mentions that he wants to be able to watch the news or at least listen to the radio because he wants to know what they're saying about him and Jasmine um, and this is again part of the conversation undercover says everyone's fucking dying to know what the fuck details and sounds like a pretty cool story like blah, blah, mumble mumble yeah. <laughs> and this is when jeremy brings up natural born killers because yep. apparently he's like obsessed obsessed <laughs> and the undercover officer goes like yep i've seen it whatever jeremy says i think that's the best love story of all time and basically i don't know and i guess like me and my girlfriend just started our own love legacy. Ugh, excuse me while I go throw up. She says it is the next closest step to immortality. Now I guess they arrested a third person for this whole shit too now. Mm-hmm. So Jeremy references Casey getting arrested. And Stinky says, you know, to the UC, it's Casey Lannister. Supposedly they're arresting her for getting rid of evidence and... He just goes, oh. Jeremy continues on to say, and if you ask me, she didn't get rid of any evidence because, you know, he'd be the expert. <laughs> well, what did she do? It's, it's, he does not speak <laughs> in a way that's hard, easy to read. No. Well, what did she do? She went and parked my truck somewhere and that was it. Where's the evidence that disappeared? The UC goes, oh, right. Oh, yeah. They're gonna, they arrested another one, eh? Hey. <laughs> Jeremy says, yeah. Uh, no, there's no reason for it. She really had nothing to do with anything. It was all me and my girlfriend. And the UC is like, huh? Because he's, he's not really making a lot of sense. Not at all. And then Jeremy says, well, I don't know. She kind of dug herself the hole, though, lying to the cops and shit. I told her when, what we did, and what happened, and everything like that, and all this shit, saying I threatened her. I never made a single threat. I never told her what happened. She kept asking me, well, do you want to talk? Do you want to talk? Let's talk. No, I got nothing I can talk to you about. That was it. He goes on to talk more and say, all I asked to her was go park my truck somewhere where it's going to be a little low key spotted so easily. But I don't know. I think she routed us off. We went to Saskatchewan and she went into the gas station to pay for gas. She was in that gas station for a hell of a long time before she came out. And then went over to the high school, and the next thing you know, three cops car, excuse me, three cop cars roll up. Not unless somebody ratted. Why would three cop cars all of a sudden just? And then he kind of just trailed off. Maybe because you're driving around like a creepy, crazy weirdo person. <laughs> just putting that out there. You were being suspicious. <laughs> suspicious. Suspicious. Um, so Jeremy does mention to the undercover that he isn't allowed in general population. Uh, he talks about how he isn't allowed to communicate with Jasmine either, and he just can't understand why. He literally was so distraught. Like, like right? dramatic about it, too. Like, I just don't know. Hopefully I can write her. Hopefully soon. Blah, blah, blah. We have a wedding to plan. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, right. 
He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I tried talking her out of it, but mumble, mumble, mumble. Let's <laughs> fucking run. And she wouldn't have it that way. She got upset with me. Jeremy goes on to talk about the murders themselves, and he does admit to killing Mark and Deborah. During the same part of the conversation, he tells the undercover that he went upstairs and watched Jasmine kill her brother. And this is a quote from the transcript. It didn't bother her at all either. She didn't cry or anything. In fact, the next day, when we were on the road, fuck, she was laughing about it. But she's got a, fruit, a, a few screws loose, too, which is hilarious. Right. And that is... And that... That little sentence right there, honestly, is what really makes me wonder. Mm-hmm. And we'll, I think we'll always wonder to some extent, because we're never really going to know what went on in Jasmine's head. Oh, no, for sure. I would just... To be a fly So, on the but woman, what happens, though, if she meets another person who's just slightly unstable or right. something and also has a crackpot idea about life or whatever? Yeah. What happens then? Hopefully, we won't find out. I know. Hopefully... Whoever Jr. is now, yeah, we'll never hear about it. So there is like a shit ton left to that transcript. My eyes started to bleed. I just had to step away. So, like I said, I'm gonna make sure it's available for you guys. Uh, but let's talk about some vampire shit. Yeah, because at the <laughs> end of the day, Jeremy Stanky thought he was a 300 year old werewolf slash vampire. He did wear a vial of blood around his neck, yep. so that leads us to have a lot of questions. Yeah. Because do I mean, you know, there's Twilight and all that horse shit. Do, do people do actually that. think that they're vampires? Well, apparently they there do. is a whole alternative lifestyle and subculture that is based around vampires. Stemming from both pop culture and mythology. So this subculture gained popularity in the nineteen seventies originally, which checks out for the seventies. The people that exist in this space identify with vampires. Some go as far as believing that they are, in fact, vampires. Now, I, like any girl who grew up with Twilight at any point in their life... girl, I read the books. (laughs) I read the books. I watched the first two movies. I stopped because I was pissed. I watched one and I was like, yeah, I don't think I can actually do this anymore. I may (laughs) or may not have had an Edward Blanket and a bag that said I love boys who sparkle. But look, I was just coming off of a breakup and then I found Twilight. I was 19. What do you want from me? Don't judge me. I was coping the best way I knew how. (laughs) I know what you're getting for Christmas. Well, and then an eternal love story about a vampire. Like, I love weird, like, paranormal romance stories. Like, they're so bad a lot of the time that they're good. That's a running theme with me, guys. And this was just, like, right up there for me. And coming off of a breakup, I was like, oh, yes. Give me all of the Twilight. Team Susan's Edward all the way. Susan's just learning this about Bree, so <laughs> she's just taking it all in right now. Sarah, she uh, was really, or maybe still is in Twilight. I shared this with her, and she just started cracking up laughing. I was like, I know, it's, it's an embarrassing fact about myself, but you know what? Well, I'm not ashamed. It's not that embarrassing. It's not. I'm not ashamed. Whatever. I've heard worse. The movies were terrible in comparison to the books, though. Like, they fucked it all up. I literally walked out of the second film, like, pissed. I was on fire. I was like, how dare they? Uh, how could you? <laughs> I was so mad. Why? So, I totally understand wanting to be a vampire, because I'm pretty sure I had that stage in my life, too, where I was like, God, I just wish I could be a vampire. The modern vampire is more or less an amalgamation of characteristics that are derived from a variety of sources. 
some of historical nature, others from cross-cultural archetypes that are heavily influenced from folklore-based pulp culture. This includes things like gothic soap operas, tabletop role-playing games, and rice books. What we do in the shadows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a that satire. <laughs> that I is know. very clearly no, a I satire. I can love, love myself. It. It's so good. I love it. Oh, so good. But as is most, you know, as is tradition with these kinds of things, they mostly communicate with each other via the internet. Which, just as a side note, my dad actually asked me what case we were dealing with yeah. this week. Um, and I was like, oh, it's about... A young girl who killed her whole family with her boyfriend who thinks he's like a vampire or a werewolf. I love that that's how you explain this And case. like, God bless my dad. He was like, <laughs> did you see the article that they found a vampire in somewhere in Europe? It was a woman's skeleton. She had pointed, not fangs, but I'll say incisors. Mm-hmm. She was buried face up in the ground with a sharp piece of metal around her neck so in case she rose from the dead and tried to stand up it would just lop her head off wow right wow because i was gonna do more research on it but there's not a whole lot out there yet because they just found her Ooh, okay or not that long ago so they're still working on analyzing like times and dates and all that kind of stuff but like that shit (laughs) it was a skeleton lady with sharp pointy teeth and a metal piece around her neck okay it was it looked like farm equipment or something that they were like let's just cut off the handle and put it around her neck so if she tries to stand up it will just take her head off like obviously this stuff is is fantasy to a lot of but also how would we know that it's not honestly maybe there's vampires i don't fucking know i don't fuck with these guys well and back then everybody was so superstitious you know what i mean so superstitious Mm -hmm. you had weird behaviors you've got pointy teeth well i mean look at what happened with the salem witch trials which Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about very soon here you know it's another it's another instance of like if you just act any kind of weird or different or different not even weird it's just different (laughs) where you like sneezed a weird way they're like you're a witch you're a vampire to hang with you right uh, but I don't think this lady with the metal chunk around her neck chose no, I'm this. Very, I believe that she was just stuck with it. I'm very curious about Seattle. But, yes, I'll put an alert on it. Because yeah. my, dad, my dad mentioned it, and that. I was like, wait, what? And I Googled it, and I couldn't find too much information. So I was like, well, that we'll save that for a later date. Yeah. But I did have to bring it up because... Interesting. Vampire yeah. hate's been going on forever. Heck Yeah. <laughs> So, participants in the vampirism thing that's happening can vary regarding their belief and or level of involvement. There are those who just dress as vampires, but understand in their brains that they are actually (laughs) themselves just human people. Um, Others actually assert a need to consume blood, which they call human energy, which made me think of Colin Robinson. Colin Robinson. I'm not going to lie. It totally is. Right. Um, They likely believe that they are, in fact, a real vampire. It should be noted that both of these types tend to assert that the consumption of blood or energy is necessary for spiritual or physical nourishment. There are, again, like with anything like this, there are subcultures within the subculture. Some people believe in shape-shifting, others that they are not entirely human. Currently, the phenomenon of vamps that are trending is the modern vampire who is so seriously committed to the beliefs, the community, and the culture 
that they meet the criteria to be designated a contemporary <laughs> new religious movement. I love that. Which made me laugh out loud, because what? I am what? squeamish and don't care for blood, but if that wasn't the case, I'd be like, where do I sign? Yeah. Look, after going through what I went through with religion, anything tracks as a religion. Yeah. I just don't. <laughs> Apparently, they'll just let every, anybody it's have it. <laughs> literally so true. Right. Um, so naturally, on the offset, this means that vampire slayers have arisen online because, you know, keyboard warriors and whatnot. Yeah. These people, from what we read, tend to, believe, tend to be Christians who are just self-proclaimed slayers, and they'll do things like spam the forums or... Like, I haven't read it. I didn't read anything about actually physically trying yeah. to stop this, but it was, like, online. Not bullying, but, like, hate, basically. Yeah, essentially. Which... Well, I mean, to be fair, everybody in this whole situation is self-proclaimed. So right, I mean, yes. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> knock them for that. Um... Just some types of vampire lifestylers. There's the Sanguinarian. <laughs> he is one who consumes the blood of others. Psychic vampires, which is our dear old friend. If you haven't watched What We Do in the Shadows, highly recommend. Colin Robinson. It's like The Office slash Parks and Rec slash Vampires. But with vampires. It's great. And honestly, Guillermo deserves 57,000 Emmys. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really great show. But they have a vampire on there who's not your traditional vampire, if you will. He feeds off of the energy of others, just like psychic vampires. They consume nourishment via the aura or pranic energy of others. They need to feed this way or off of them so they can maintain their own spiritual or psychological energy. Uh, there's the hybrid. They consume both blood and energy. That would be the most dangerous, I, I would assume. Like, I feel terrified. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to fuck with that. Colin Robinson and Nadja together. Oh, like, God. Oh, no. That'd be terrifying. <laughs> there's the blood donors, people that willingly allow others to drink their blood. They may show subservience to those who drink their blood. Because uh, from what from my research, there was like a sadomasochistic yeah. underlying theme well, to mean, all like, of this. Would that essentially be like the familiar if you will. I think so, That's yes. That's kind of how but I like, it. Just like Guillermo, like, yeah. you almost get to be a vampire, mm-hmm. but not quite. I don't believe the donors, I don't think their end goal is to become a vampire. I it's think just they just want to serve, hang out. It's just to be a part of the culture yeah. and, and serve their master, if you will. And then there's uh, blood fetishes, mm. people that use blood as a stimulant or like a sexual fetish. Mm. And then we have the role players, people who acknowledge that they're humans but are role playing as vampires. So like, that just makes me think of if you haven't watched the new season, the new guy. Oh, yeah. Even though he is a vampire, mm-hmm. but he's like, Hot Topic has some ready to wear <laughs> shit that's fire. I was yes. like, Okay, great. It's super it true. It is cute. It is. And I feel like. I could get down with a really sweet vampire costume. So For sure. If it was up to me, I would wear a costume like every day, because why not? I did. We did have a guest in the restaurant the other day who had elf ears. I love it. Who <laughs> fucking cares? Life is too short to give a shit. I had a guest say, <laughs> why does she have those on? And I said, I honestly don't know. Do you want to go would ask you like, her? Like, why the fuck do you... I mean, whatever. I was like, I need care. <laughs> not my ears. <laughs> You know, honestly, guys, there's a shit ton to this whole vampire thing, so we're likely gonna deep dive into this. It's true because this. Back when I did the extra research for just the vampirism part, it was like just brushing the surface, and, and I, I didn't was even, like, dear lord, I didn't even use all of your stuff because I was like, I, 
but we're just going to keep going and going we, and going. It's one of those tiny little tunnels like yeah. in Pittsburgh. You go down a tunnel and next thing you know, there's 400 more highways right there. Exactly. It's We just have to limit ourselves or edit ourselves <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Well, and like really, since Jeremy had a thing about blood, we just thought we'd give you some of the basics. And that's just kind of where we're at. You guys, again, you know how we roll. If I don't know about something, we're all going to learn. It's true. <laughs> Slowly but surely, we will all become knowledgeable about crazy people. I love it. I do, too. It's very interesting. <laughs> so that is a wrap on the Richardson family murders. Another J.R. I know. I but didn't like it at all. That's another reason why I wanted to end on the vampire thing. End on a little bit of a lighter note. We can all laugh at people who are pretending to be vampires. Well, I don't, I don't, I just don't. <laughs> she I looks just, so confused. I don't understand. For right. the life of me, I do not get it. Yeah. I know I'm a human person who is living as a human person, right. and I have never wanted to be anything other than a human person, except in passing. Right. <laughs> uh, when the craft came out, which Brie will see, right. I did want to be a witch. Well, I mean. But I found that you can practice that in a different way. Right. Being a vampire, however, how do you do What? That? There are not there are not many ways to go about that. That's yeah. not something that you can just practice in your normal life. So I don't. I guess the mindset here is just beyond yeah. me. That's, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> but um, even when Jeremy was incarcerated, he's since changed his name. Mm, like yeah, there's that's right. a there's a lot that's happening with him. He's just sort of not gone off the rails, but like ish, kind of a little bit. Yeah. There's no more talk of vampireism. It's just, I'm changing my name. I didn't really do it. So on and so blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, 23 is an adult, but that's also really young. Oh, for and sure. So I can totally understand completely regretting the decisions you made at 23. Unfortunately, bro, you made, uh, you made choices, a though. really, really bad decision. And Especially you have to live with that. given his upbringing, I do feel like the slightest pang oh, of yeah. like, sadness because always, again it, it's like that person didn't really stand a chance it just it with always the right really makes me sad when it ends up that way because it does make you wonder right like somebody like ted bundy he was gonna go off the rails regardless oh for sure a matter of time ed kemper probably also likely that he was gonna go off the rails Having an abusive mother didn't help. Right. But, you know, in this situation, it really does make you wonder. It just makes me sad because it does seem like Mark and Deborah were literally doing all of yeah. the right things. Like, they were sober bringing up their children in a, you know, very yeah. nice household, a very nice upbringing, working as hard as they could, and it just makes me sad. R.I.P. I know. So, on that note, we will leave all of you lovelies. We're going to really quick just give you guys a rundown. As you know, the we are doing the things on social media. So, you guys, we have finally decided we're going to give you our personal Instagram <laughs> handles. We have come to realize that we are more active on our personal ones as far as, like, our everyday kind of lives go. Uh, the Crime and Spirits pod we're still going to use, obviously, but we're going to utilize that for, you know, pod-specific things. Um, so, we have... Instagram and Facebook for the podcast. So we're at Crime and Spirits Pod. Twitter, we're at Crime Spirits Pod. But my personal Instagram handle is at Bree, B-R-E-E, underscore, not the cheese. Yeah. Because that's, everybody thinks I stole She's my name. The like cheese. the cheese. And I hate it. <laughs> so if you are into wanting to follow us personally, I do a lot of like artsy and craftsy kind of things too. So, you know, come hang out. 
Uh, I travel a lot, and my cat is pretty handsome, yeah. so you can always follow us. I changed mine to Suze, not Susan, <laughs> because I cannot tell you. My name is Suzanne. My mom specifically spelled it out, so it reads as Suzanne. Yeah. There's no confusing it. I go to work. I have a lot of old people I wait on, and I love them dearly. She has a name tag that says Suzanne. My name is not Susan. So, <laughs> that is me. You can find us. Uh, we travel. I travel a lot. Yeah. I take a lot of pictures of food, so, like, get <laughs> on it. <laughs> yeah, so come hang out. We'd really love to interact with you guys more. If you don't feel comfortable hitting up, like, a weird, like, podcast page i totally get it our dms are open if you've got questions concerns feedback or you just want to say hey please do if you guys make the drinks please tag one or both or all of us in those and also if you guys like what you hear if you could do us a super super quick favor and please go over to apple podcasts and leave us a review five stars actually leave a review it would mean the world to us give us an idea that you like what we're doing yeah First and foremost, we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. Um, having a great huge. time doing it, though. <laughs> Crushing so, it. Yeah. But anyways, uh, we really appreciate you guys. We Thanks love so much you. for hanging out. And uh, we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.